So uh, we're going to before I want to say a prayer for two member two uh, folks in our or two families in our congregation in crisis, and then Andy's going to come and read the scripture. Um, I'm not going to give a ton of details, but first we're going to pray for COVID and the Tinnell family. Is going and uh, we uh, just got to pray for those guys in healing and protection. And also the Ninos, Michael and Mary. There's uh, not many of you know, but Michael's father is paralyzed and his mother uh, is his caregiver and they live in a tiny little house. And uh, they've been broken into three times in the last month, one of which was on Channel News. Specifically, uh, two of those times they've been physically brutally assaulted by someone looking for money. uh, first time choking uh, Michael's dad in this. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, this time, uh, yeah, this time, uh, uh, Michael's mom is still in the hospital, and it, she could have lost her life. And, and it's miraculous that she didn't, based on the nature of the injuries she received. So we're going to pray for those guys first. The Tennels, God. You know, a lot of us have had COVID. But these guys have been taken down in a way few of us have by this. They've been disruptive and uh, just really hurt God. I ask for your healing power to rush through that household. Preserve their life. Restore anything that's been lost, whether taste, smell, vitality, uh, whatever, God. Bring your kingdom in that place. And for the Ninos, God, for uh, mom and dad, Nino, God, I ask God, I, just there's so many layers of trauma, but first we just need physical healing. I pray you would be present to them, heal them physically, and help them. Uh, I pray that you would create an environment of safety and peace, and your peace would come to this very uh, damaged house and, and hurt people. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And on a final note, I need a couple people, not a ton of people, but um, I need a couple people who are, have like good kind of skills. I maybe need two people to help me uh, uh, put some. We're, I'm gonna, after church, I'm going to meet up now where we're going to board up the basement windows, which is the point of access. And uh, we're going to do a couple other improvements. I have all the tools and materials needed for that already. We're going to assess if there's any other opportunities to do. And we're going to pray over the place and pray God's... And, uh, also, if we could have uh, another person whose job is just to be present and praying, maybe the whole time. And maybe uh, uh, pro- probably best to be a, a woman just because uh, uh, women have more flexibility and encouraging than guys do a lot of times. I, it just is. So just kind of a... We, uh, we need kind of a... Uh, both... Uh, Parental presences here, and so um, if, approach me after the service if you can help. Most, I'm sure a bunch of people will, and a bunch of you will say, oh, we got it, thank you. But that's awesome. So I want to invite Andy, Andrew Woodruff Anderson, to read the scripture. I haven't given the middle name today. That's very nice. Uh, so we're in Matthew, and uh, our scripture starts out, but as he considered these things, and we're talking about Joseph, he's just found out that Mary is pregnant, 
they're betrothed, but it's not his. And so he's planning to divorce Mary quietly. But as he considers these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And I get to do the last parenthetical comment in that verse. Thank you for saving it for me, because it's one of my favorite. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And for Advent, you know, if you go on the Wikipedia page for Advent, you'll find out every tradition has a different set of themes or a different order of themes that they focus on every week of Advent. And depending if you go Lutheran or Roman Catholic or Orthodox or Methodist, you'll have different orders of the candles. All right? We're going to have a singular theme that ties into all the candle themes every week of Advent. And that is joy. We're going to focus on joy. There's going to be peace and there's going to be hope. It's all going to be together because it's not really... A, a, a non-hopeful person can't be a joyful person. A joyful person has hope. So we're just going to combine it all. And every candle leading up here is a joy candle. Um, because, God, we need it, Jesus. So I'm going to light the first candle. And I think what we'll do is in upcoming weeks, we'll maybe light the candle as part of the kids' sermon. I won't have the kids do the fire, or maybe, I don't know. I would, I would have loved fire as a kid. So, Lord Jesus, we celebrate your presence and help us to recall your first advent and articulate our longings for your return, your second advent. Because advent, Latin, adventus, which means a visit or a coming, it's an adaption of the Greek, which is parousia, which is often in the Greek referring to Christ's return or second coming. So if you imagine Christ, uh, Christ comes first to Jerusalem, and then when he returns, it gives us the imagery of him coming in the air, because Jesus isn't coming to any nation. He's coming to the world. God is not a God that shows. He works with a tiny, insignificant tribe of people to do something that welcomes everyone. God with us. So uh, our Advent series is called God's With Us in This. God's with us in this. What's this? You know, whatever your this is, God is with us in this. All right? So, and a lot of us have had a lot of thises going on in the last couple of years. So, um, we, uh, O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer us, cheer our spirits by thy advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death, dark shadow put to flight. Oh my gosh, that, what a great Christmas song. What a good Advent song. And the idea is by God, by Jesus coming to us, our fears are dispersed. Our gloomy clouds of night. Oh my gosh, is there a better phrase for depression than gloomy clouds of night? 
I've been diagnosed with cyclical gloomy clouds of night. And I think, you know, they should rewrite the DSM-5 with uh, Christian music terms or something. I don't know. But this idea that the nearness of Christ infects us with joy. And it doesn't mean we don't have, per se, maybe a lifelong struggle with mental illness. We might find degrees of healing. We may be totally healed. Or we learn to experience God's joy amidst the valleys and peaks of our hurting but precious selves. So um, this week, kind of our theme is our joy place is our home base. Or you can say our home base is our joy place. So two words within the four, next four or weeks or this whole Advent season, I want to be indelibly marked in our mind is joy place and home base. So joy place, home base. Okay, if, you'll remember it more if you say it. Actually, let's do something ridiculous because if you do something ridiculous when you say something, neurologically, you'll remember it. So, if you do something weird while you're saying something out loud, you're more likely to remember. So, um, I want everyone to lift their hands up. Now, do a little dance. Receive God's love. Get down tonight. Okay, now say joy place. And say home base. All right. That is ridiculous, but uh, we checked. Central Vineyard Church is zoned. And has a special easement and is zoned for awkwardness and weirdness. All right? So, um, who here has seen the movie Inside Out, Pixar movie Inside Out? Keep your hands up if you have. Okay, who here has seen, keep your hand up. Who here, who here has seen Sherlock? If you have, keep your hand up. If you've seen Sherlock but not Inside Out, keep your hand up. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbund. Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, Dr. Strange. Okay, so most of you. So this will uh, resonate with you. In the movie, uh, these, both these movies are imperfect metaphors, but they'll get you where I want you to be, thought-wise. So uh, there's Riley. Little girl gets displaced, has to move to another place. And Riley's mental status, it hap- it, internal workings in her brain is symbolized by these different characters who take on different emotions. And some of these emotions are things we deem positive emotions, some are negative emotions. But spoiler, all of them are necessary in one context or another. They have a place in uh, Riley's story. But they find out each emotion is tied to a memory. And they're, without getting too much detail, watch the movie, what happens is if they lose a memory, that emotion is depowered. If they lose that emotion, that memory goes away. Each of these states is inextricably tied and rooted to a memory. So when we're talking about joy place, we're talking about forming, because we can do this. We can make new memories, and we can even flesh out old memories, And we can hear the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ within our memories. And those memories can become places that we anchor into the imminent presence of Jesus who loves you no matter what. And uh, it also rewires our brain. I'm not going to go into all the fMRI studies about what we're talking about and how it relates. But I'll probably uh, post on our app some uh, further explainer videos on that. But... um, 
this idea of a, a world we can go into and store memories, and Sherlock's pretty epic. And actually, uh, if you look, there's a TED Talk uh, regarding memory place. If you Google TED memory place, that will blow your minds. I'm not going to play it here. But um, in, we're going to be talking about creating, populating, setting apart, and wearing a pathway to our joy place, a.k.a. home base. Because the more you remember a memory, the more you remember a memory. The more you specifically recall a memory, the more apt that memory is to come back. And these memories change our brain. Now, because um, you know we come from hunter-gatherers that need to watch out for tigers or predators killing us, we have this amygdala that kind of can check out all our human emotions because it's saying, run or you'll get eaten or fight and you'll get eaten. The thing is, and the amygdala is really important because maybe you're in a situation where there's a big giant monster robot that's gonna kill you and you need to get away. We need our amygdalas. They are appropriate within context. But what happens is we remember negative things more than we remember positive things because at an animal level, that's how we survive. But as image bearers of Jesus who become progressively infected with the love of Jesus, we move to having less unintended amygdala moments and more intentional joy moments. We move to become more present, more experiential of God's presence. And in a sense, if Jesus is the ultimate human, we become more human the more we practice the presence of God. And frankly, God, we, guys, we've been through so many stress the last couple of years that a lot of us, our amygdalas have been on an always on deal, which can lead to a lot of burnout. So, um, to experience one thing, we often have to remember many things. But if we remember it as a picture instead of a bullet list of facts, if we remember pictures or storylines, if we use our imagination, we've got more of our brain teaming up to bring this memory into the reality of our lives. People that just try to memorize lists and cram, like, they do an fMRI and they show, like, a little part of the brain sparking. But if you use your imagination or enter into a memory and you're mindful and you even verbalize to someone what you're seeing, suddenly the whole brain is lighting up like a Christmas tree. And guys, the Bible calls this the renewing of our mind. And now they call it like dynamic rewiring or there's, there's a lot of neurological terms that I don't know, but maybe next week I'll be able to drop some of them and sound smarter. But the idea that our brains are not set they're always working to highlight paths. We don't lose the bad paths, but the good paths get nice and paved. They get lights, little rest stations, uh, little convenience stores that have, uh, you know, tasty cake butter, scotch crimpets on the way. You know, the more we go on one trail, the more inviting and the more that trail becomes a default. So we're going to talk about our joy place and what is essential. What is the ingredient of a joy place? The joy place is a place where we meet with Jesus, with us. The joy place, is, this home base, is where we go to begin this process of working with Jesus to find healing, to have, find strengthening. And as we get filled with the presence and love of Jesus, like I told you in the story, caught in the act story today, when Jesus is love, we is more than we can contain. And Jesus designed us. We're built to spill. 
We're built to spill. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're shaking. It's like me. Any amount of coffee, even half full. If I walk somewhere, I leave big puddles behind me, much to the chagrin of my family. But we are built to spill love, all right? Great band reference. So relevant. Check. So um, one thing is the best things that's happened in our marriage, I think. One of the best tools we've gotten, and there's a lot of bests, I'll be honest, but is a question. One question followed by listening and interaction. And that question is, how can I best be present to you today? Yeah, it's not like a basic thing. These are very specific. Like, you can be present to me by taking care of waiting here for the UPS person delivering this because I have a meeting and I need a lot of hugs today. Like, you fill out a requisition uh, form for how can I be present to you? And... Uh, that question, the, our morning, we, we do this thing called, well, censored a little. It, we, we call them uh, half-wit devotions. We call, there's another term I use, but I don't want to say it. I, yeah, she says, I don't use that. I'm a good Christian. But I, I always say my idea is uh, anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly versus not doing it at all. So we read a couple verses. If we're feeling it, we talk about it. First, we say, or read a couple verses. Sometimes we have a couple follow-up discussions. Sometimes it just floats through our mind. But either way, and then we pray the Lord's Prayer. But before that, we talk about how can I be present to you. And that's our just little connection. We've been doing this how long now? I think the pandemic really kick-started it. And we've had season but this how can I be most present to you? And you know who's the ultimate asker of that question? And they know the answer? is Jesus. And so our Advent, I'm not leading in Advent, I'm not leading from a place of like great superiority to anyone. I'm leading as someone who is in you, your crowd, this crowd, I am with you in this crowd, is we are going on a journey to strengthen our experience of the presence of Jesus. Because here's the deal, God's always pursuing us. God is always speaking. God is always loving but we be, need to become attuned. That same word, when they talk about children and parents uh, thriving, a child must become attuned to parents or caregivers, where they have a human, that they have a connection, familiarity, and those little baby brains start making rudimentary stories. Maybe not even with, not with words at first, of being present with this person. If a baby doesn't have attunement, their likelihood of not making it to year one is very high. It's called failure to thrive. So attunement, and, but we're talking about being attuned to Father God through His Son Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so one basic presupposition we work with in everything we teach is we believe God is exactly like Jesus. And that involves some real meditation, pondering, and ruminations because depending on how we read certain parts of the Bible, that might get lost. But the book of Hebrews makes it clear. We've had a shadow revelation, but now we've got crystal clear. It's Jesus. God, in God, there's nothing unchristlike. So that's just everything we teach always springs from that fact. So, um, the Gospel of Matthew bookended by two stories. We're going to do a lot of gospel-ish stuff lately. It begins with this announcement right in chapter 1. With us. God's with you in this. And it ends 
with these followers of Jesus having three sustained years of experience of the imminent presence of Jesus. And God says, go, therefore, go into the world, scatter, smothered and covered, go into the world and preach the gospel. Go into the world, make disciples of all people. You know what that means? A disciple just means apprentice. As you follow Jesus, invite people to the party. As you follow Jesus, you don't have to be an expert in anything. Just whatever you have, give it away, give it away, give it away. Whatever you have. Practicing the presence, living the presence, being mobile temples of the presence of God. And you know, he ends with this bookend. And I'll use the King James Version because it sounds epic. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a reiteration of chapter one. Lo, I am with you always. God's with us in this. We are going to be unpacking this every week. This isn't just a done-in-one deal, because I'm hoping in four weeks it might carve a place in our mind to bring us joy. So, um, if God is with us, we can be healed. If God is with us, our brains can grow and change. If God is with us, we can renew our imaginations. If God is with us, we can grow to more likely come to Jesus Versus come to blows in a stressful situation. If God is, and this is a process, no shame of where you're at. If, and if you're one step further and you still feel pathetic, well, Jesus doesn't think you're pathetic. He is having a party for your growth. No one is easier to please than Jesus. Just read the Gospels. So um, in this deal, we can be healed, we can be changed, and then we get to the built to spill stage. We can be healers, and together as the body of Christ, we can be change agents. Going to all the world, making disciples of the risen Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And don't forget, Jesus is with us in this. Always. Even to the end when he's with us even more. So, how's that? So, guys, we as humans are designed or have some people don't believe in the whole design thing, but we, our brains crave joy. We don't just crave shelter, food, uh, warmth. We crave joy, which is transcendent. In fact, many of us sublimate our other core mammalian animal needs. We'll sublimate or we'll, we'll dis, not be as concerned with those needs in the pursuit of joy. And oftentimes how we pursue joy or how we, we in, or maybe we just pursue euphoria because we don't know if joy is possible. Or maybe we've been wired to pursue euphoria and God needs to retrain us towards joy. You know, there's difference between a loving presence and a buzz. I, I, I know this personally. There's difference between a loving presence and a buzz. But as Jesus, as we experience his pursuit and we become built to spill, we're going to learn a practice, and that is building our joy place home base. So I'm, we're going to be talking about this. I'm barely scratching the surface, but I'm going to spend five minutes, and what I need you to do is close your eyes and just breathe for a minute, and I want to ask a couple questions, all right, and tell you to do a few things. I want you to think of a place, a geographic place, 
some place you've actually been, something in your memory where in that context you experienced joy. In that context you experienced rest, joy, you had an all is well with the world fleeting glimpse of the all is well. A place you felt safe. Because God knows we have plenty of places we don't feel safe. Where do you feel safe? Maybe it's a place you actually get to go to routinely. Maybe it's a place you visited 10 years ago. Maybe it was a bird watching session. I want you to start sifting through your memories and find a place that you experience joy, serenity, belonging. Lord Jesus, come. Raise your hand if you've got a place. Okay. Some of you, and some of you, it's been, this is harder work, by the way. That's fine, too. All of us have different brains. You put your hands down. All of us have different brains. So, by the way, if this stuff doesn't resonate at first or is it easy, don't worry about it because it can be present to you. It is experience you can't have. It might just take time. And God has all the time in the world. He has robust amount of patience and kindness. So... I want you to think, like, if you were going to tell someone why this place is meaningful to you, what would you say? Think in your mind, imagine you talking to your best friend, telling them why this place is so special to you. Now think of yourself describing, this friend is super curious and wants to know, okay, what does it smell like when you're in this place? Really think, what does it smell like? What does it sound like? Describe the colors and the textures. Maybe you're an audio person, maybe you're a visual person. What, think through all the senses of your body and try to remember. What is your emotional state in this place? Give yourself a panoramic view in your place. In your memory, just walk around, look around, and breathe deep as you take in this place. Look up, look down. What does the ground look like? What does the sky or sea look like? What do the trees or furniture or birds look like, sound like? The scriptures talk about the renewing of our mind. Uh, Throughout the Psalms, they say, remember what God has done to you. The Bible says, meditate on the stories of God, which isn't just repeating words on a page. They didn't have pages. There was one copy to be read for a group. They imagined the story. They were their own cinematographers playing the story out in their mind as it was read. The Bible says to set our mind on things above, not on earthly things. Essentially what that's saying is don't ignore the reality of the world because the rest of the book makes it clear that you're not supposed to do that. But it says meditate. Let your mind be formed on the above moments. In your joy place, your home base is an above moment. Because I believe if every good and perfect gift is from God, then that experience in that place, whether you knew Jesus at the time or not, that place with God's mercy 
in kindness to you. That place was given to you by Jesus. That place was furnished by Jesus. In fact, I believe if you experienced any amount of kindness, any amount of serenity there, whether you knew it or not, God was present with you because of Jesus. Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit, was right there with you. Guys, we're going to talk about this place for the next three weeks because we're going to allow Jesus in the scriptures to inform our imagination in a way that I think will heal us to a greater extent. So, um, I want to take about a little silence, and I want you guys to, uh, in your mind, thank Jesus. If you can imagine Jesus, however you imagine him, you know, one of my kids said, it's like Jesus and the Chosen, I said, good imagery. Imagine thanking Jesus in your joy place for the experience of this place in the memory. In all things, give thanks. Just talk, have a casual conversation to Jesus thanking him for this. As you're thanking Jesus, what, do you, what's it, what, what is the expression on his face? What's coming out of his eyes? What's he look like at you? Is he smiling? And as we think about this, Jesus being present, you're thanking him. What do you think's going through Jesus' mind? You know, mind translates to actions, and we've got four books of Jesus' actions. So it's, we can kind of extrapolate what Jesus is thinking because we've observed in detail these three years of ministry in four books. What might be going through Jesus' mind? Now, if you feel like Jesus is anything but elated to be with you, if you think that Jesus is anything but ultra grateful to God the Father to spend his time with you, there's work to do. So if this doesn't connect with you, that's not bad news. If this doesn't connect with you, it just means God is going to be identifying some hurdles that need to be dealt with. And God is so good at doing that. Trust me, I speak from experience here. It might be a long journey. But if you experience Jesus' gratitude, I also want you to look forward to imagine your experience of his gratitude just becoming more vivid and real as time goes by that changes how you interact with a friend, with a spouse, with people who are not, don't have houses to live in, for people who are terminally ill. Imagine how that would change your sense of presence living in God's presence. So... I'd like to celebrate communion, have you stand. I really need those who have been uh, trained to pray. If you can get to the sides, Rachel's going to quickly uh, pass the elements here. And guys, man, I was so super inspired by Louise having people get in prayer during the worship. It's such a conducive environment to receive God when people are magnifying God and someone's praying for you while people are singing about God's awesome presence. And you get to have an experience while they're singing about it in God's loving it all.
How epic. I mean, we got to keep doing that. Man, thank you for listening to Jesus on that, buddy. Um, God with us. So, listen, uh, the most effective way for these memories to take root is to process these memories with another human being out loud. Speaking it out loud, just thinking it, isn't going to be super helpful. Imagining over and over, experiencing, reminding yourself. Don't let it be spontaneous, guys. Phone it. I mean, write post-it notes in front of the toilet. Whatever you need to do. Go to places where you can go through. Intentionally do it until it becomes unintentional, reflexive. But as if you, we have an opportunity for you to receive prayer for anything that's going on in your life. We have that opportunity. We have an opportunity for you to verbalize to someone how you met Jesus and share with them and have them praise God with you and with you ask God for more. And as always, any uh, bodily, mind, body, spirit uh, thing you're struggling with or family struggling with or besetting issue or not besetting but difficult issue, please get prayer. So once again, celebrating the imminent Jesus. I want to think of Jesus. A lot of you had Thanksgiving dinner. We had like 21 people crammed into our little Clintonville house. And I imagine that's what the Last Supper was like. They didn't have these big mini mansions back in the ancient Near East. Uh, They were crammed into the room and they're eating together. Uh, Probably not Turkey. I don't know if turkeys are in the Middle East. But Jesus, this is a Passover meal where they celebrate slavery ending for the Jewish people and long for more freedom. And Jesus appropriated this moment. And he made it about him. And Jesus is the one that can do it because the reason this moment happened was to lead to him. The reason... So Jesus, in the supper, he gave thanks. He went to his gratitude place, his joy place. He said, this is my body. He had them imagine that this was his bodily presence. That his present body to them is broken. It's for you. And kind of this weird symbolism of you are what you eat. So you take the bread as a symbol of imbibing the presence of Jesus to vary your core being and your core nourishment. After the supper, he takes the cup and said, this cup is new covenant, my blood. This is like getting a transfusion of the lifeblood of Jesus to replace this cancerous blood of a fallen world. So we're getting a transfusion and we're rebuilding our bodies in the presence of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you. Now as we worship, guys, if you verbalize this to someone next to you or here and get prayer, we're going to be really primed well for this week and next week. Lord bless you. Enter into Advent with us.